Dean Martin, yeah, yeah. I like the one that sang, was it Frankie Avalon? Oh, pretty baby. One of my favorite songs. Okay, so that's enough of all of our trivial little things and fun things. Hey, Randall, what's your middle name? What's your middle name? Randall, I never would have thought that, would y'all? No, I just wondered. And yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, we're going to get started today, and um, we'll start with some prayer requests. Obviously, we need to pray for um, Darlene Scarth. Mel passed away on yesterday, right, Mike? Yesterday morning or the night before. Um, and we need to continue to remember there was something else. Um, Lupita Galagos, Jennifer's mom. And anybody else have anything? What am I missing? Yes. Yep, Dick Murphy. Okay. Remember Kenny Murphy? Yeah. That's right, it was. Pam Harden's father passed away. Mm, pray for your friend. Yes. On the... Right. Wow, that's amazing. Praise the Lord. Yes, Tamara. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay, let's pray for that. Yes. Who else? Okay. Mike, won't you open us in prayer? Stand up, please. I made him wear a tie today. Doesn't he look nice? I know. I know. I gave him a haircut and get, made him wear a tie. I was telling him about, you know, I waited two days to take a well, Our first date, I hadn't bathed in two days. I'm just that good. I don't even have to bathe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We preach. Amen. We're going to go to Genesis 24, and just by way of recap, we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were going on a journey that you'd never been on in your life, you know, you're going somewhere, you'd never been there, 
and you were going and you were offered to have a map or a guide, which would you choose? A guide. Would everybody choose a guide? I mean, the, the superiority of a guide is obvious, right? Now, a map may tell you how to get there, but it won't tell you all the pitfalls, will it? It won't tell you all the things that you can't. A map only has so much revelation, right? And then it leads you places you didn't expect it to be like that when you got there. How many of you have ever shown up somewhere and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be when you got there? I mean, that happens all the time, doesn't it? But if you have a guide, then you always have someone to guide you. I've been there. I know the way. The Holy Spirit comes, as Jesus promised us, that he wouldn't just be a map, but he is a guide. That he will lead you and guide you into all truth. I mean, what an, what an assuring promise. He will lead you. Jesus said it's so much better for you that I go away. Because when I go away, then the comforter or the helper, the paraclete, will come. And when he comes, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. What else are you going to do? He's going to teach you. He's going to comfort. He's going, and that word comfort there, I think that it, it is, it is a, a help, you know, to help you. Um, many of us, we, we know the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, right? And all these other things will be added unto you. That scripture set in the context of Jesus teaching that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and what? Mammon or money. Because in that context, the persons who are anxious are anxious about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear. And in order to get what you eat, you drink, and you wear, what do you got to have? Money. And so people have a tendency to go after the things that, that, to fix what they're worried about, right? And they wind up serving money in lieu of God to try to fix what the problem with the whole thing is, is being anxious about tomorrow. It's trying to go and borrow tomorrow because you can't see it. See, the problem with going into the morrow and being anxious about it is it's, a, it's an offense to grace. Because the Bible teaches that whatever you go through, that the helper, the comforter, the spirit of grace will be there with you. But you know what the double whammy is on anxiety? Is there's no grace for it. Let's just think about that for a second. If you're worried about tomorrow and it's causing you anxiety, how many have ever done that? Oh, no, no one, I'm sure. I know it's odd. This is a real odd message here. That you're worried about tomorrow because you don't know what the certainty of it is. And so you're spending your time worrying there and anxiety, you're living in anxiety. So you're trying on the problems of tomorrow, today, and those things may or may not happen, right? But you're already living in today as though they are happening. And in addition to that, there's no grace for the anxiety, how do you believe the Holy Spirit gives grace for your anxiety? Is that a promise? It's not a promise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, what, how many of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? How many of you, can, how many of you by worrying can fix anything in the future? 
You can't do it. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, I'm, the Holy Spirit's not going to help you with what he tells you. You know how he helps you with your anxiety? He says, drop it. Drop it. Most of us are carrying anxiety that's too heavy for us because we're carrying it all alone. We're acting like the Holy Spirit is there to assist us with our anxiety. There's medication for that, not the Holy Spirit. Some of it's pretty good, medication. Yeah, some, yeah. My uncle always thought so. My dad, too. I come from a long line of people who found lots of answers from all kinds of means. <laughs> Do you, okay, and I can tell when I say that, that's kind of stumped some people. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm telling you that there's, that there's no... That, that there's no now, he said he would come and help you with whatever you're actually going through, right? But did he promise to come and help you with, what you're, with your fantasies that you're afraid of when there's not even real? Tawana? Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anything. And that is good. But his grace will help you to do what? To put it down. His grace doesn't help you to... Con- yes. Now, the Lord has just, has, has changed, I've got, now I'll just show you how I work in my mind. Maybe this will help you, maybe it won't. Maybe you think your mind is a scary place, Andrea. So I have a list before me, right? And on the list, it's a white piece of paper, so y'all are getting your list made too. And it has a column, a line down the middle. And it has a line across the top, right? Y'all are all drawing it too. I know your imagination is capable of this. And on one side, it has anxiety, and on the other hot side, it has... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Erase it all. Shh. Sorry, sorry. Let's start over. I told you. I didn't tell you to use pencil, but I meant to. Okay, so now, if you have to get a new sheet of paper, do. If you use permanent marker. Okay, so here, let's take that same piece of paper. We have to draw th- two lines. I'm sorry, there's three columns. I forgot. Okay, so the first one here, and we have a line across the top, and we have anxiety here, right? Y'all got it? In the middle, we have trust. You wrote trust up there? And over here, we wrote praise. Okay. Now, these are the only three columns I have on my list, and this is how. So, how many of you are like me, and anxiety is a temptation? Are you tempted by anxiety? You know, what are some things? You might be anxious. It might, your health. It could be the future. It could be, oh, you name it. It's just so many, many, many. Your family, some, your loved ones, you know all these things. The things you don't have control over because they're where? In tomorrow, right? Okay, so you take that. And how many of you, your prayer list was like mine, and it was really an anxiety list? 
Everything was under the anxiety category. And those were the things you prayed about. And they stayed in the anxiety category. And your hope was is that you could move them to the praise category. That's what you wanted to do. And every now and then you got one moved over. But it was a hard journey. And it seemed like that as soon as you moved something to the praise category from your anxiety category, there was something else that popped up. And your anxiety category just kept growing longer and longer and longer and longer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I have learned to look at that same piece of paper, and by the grace of God, because this is what his grace will help me with. I take and I look, is there anything in my anxiety category? And if there's anything there, I know that it is illegal for me to have it there. Illegal. Be anxious for. What's supposed to be in my anxiety category? Nothing. So I instantly have to move it to trust. You see what I'm saying? It's not that the problem is solved, but I don't leave it in anxiety because anxiety is different than trust. It has a different emotional release on me. Would you all all agree with that? Now, it, this works very practically. When we were in Africa and we didn't know how we were going to get back, right? And we could only find a certain number of tickets. And I was, you know, and I went out to the car and we were at the market in Africa. And you said, I can't get the tickets. I mean, you were, we were all shopping and you were in there calling every travel agent and, you know, digging through every ticket pile in this side of the United States, right? And so he came and I walked out to the car. He said, I can't find the last seven tickets. Is that what you told me? He said, I can't get everybody back home. And so, I said, well, then I won't, me and you won't go. And if me and you won't go back home, then Jacob won't go. So that's three. And I said, now, Elijah and Andrea have to go. That's what we were doing. Liz already said she'd stay. So I'm like, oh, that's four. And then we have, Lainey had to go back home. And then we had, because, and then we had, and Lester said he would stay because he had, you know, he said he was retired and he could stay. That's five. And so we had, you know, all the, who were like, you know, all these people, you know, and I thought, I don't know how to settle this. And so I thought, and he's still, you know, I mean, that's, how many of you know that's in the anxiety category in the moment? You don't know what's going on. So I went back to the market and I was walking through those dusty stalls and I said, Lord, you see this. I trust you. I trust you. Come what may, you are trustworthy. And I took that anxiety and I moved it to the trust category. And even if it tried to migrate back over, I reminded it. I've already put you where you belong. And then, you know what happened? We got a hold of a travel agent who could get us all the, a miraculous travel agent who got us all the tickets. And what did I do with what I trusted God with? I moved it to the third category of praise. Now see, if we could all live our life this way, how many of you would think that your life would be more full of joy if your anxiety category was empty? It doesn't add. No. Exactly. But the problem is, and here's where I have found the problem of late. Now, that's a great, I want y'all to use that. I want you to use that maybe if it'll help you in your prayer time. And if it's actually in, because, you know, you don't have to be honest with anybody but you and God. 
I mean, this is your imaginary list you just made, for Pete's sake, you know. So if there's honestly, if there's something in an anxiety category, how can you move it to trust? Sometimes it's as simple, maybe there's an action. That's one thing I do to ask myself too. In the part where there's anxiety, I don't just arbitrarily, like I'm some sort of pie in the sky Pollyanna, just go, ooh, I just move it to trust, right? There are sometimes I ask myself this question, is there something I need to do? Right, and, and there might be an actual activity. There might be an area of disobedience I need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And this is not prayer. This is worrying. That's it. Absolutely. Exactly. We have, we've polished it to a place that we think it's somehow holy. And it's not. Deborah? This is how this is how it starts. She's such a hippie, y'all. <laughs> yes. That's okay, so that that shows up, that's anxiety. What if? It's a, right, and you, move it to trust, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that, <clears throat> that's good, So there may be something for us to do. And if there is, we do it in faith and in obedience. Because can we call it trust if it doesn't have obedience? No. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? We can't make that migration. Yes. And figuring out that some of these are private and where Right, and now, right, and and knowing its source. Yes, and then mm-hmm. just it out. That's good. Answering yourself, the you know, and asking the question because what it comes down to, it comes down to this one piece right here. Do I believe that God? is trustworthy. That is the one thing that you have to settle 
really in the deepest part of who you are is, is God truly worthy of my full trust? Has he been revealed as trustworthy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and by the way, the Lord has touched him. Yes, yes. Healed him. Yeah. So, uh, I had this anxiety about going back to work and getting back out there with these people and hearing COVID and having the situation I went through. Yes, you nearly died. I, yeah, I nearly died, and I was so asked her I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was so you had something in your anxiety category. Yes, and didn't know how to move it over. I was having to hurt Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and what, and it was at the, it was at the interaction of an altar, the interaction of an altar, an exchange there of the Holy Spirit. He gave you the grace to move it to trust. He didn't give you the grace to walk in worry. I think it's so important that we know that. That he doesn't give us the grace to walk in anxiety or to walk in worry because that's not his will. Would his grace afford us anything that his will does not provide? See, we have to understand this, Mike. Okay, how do you mean? Mm-hmm. Because in our flesh, in our flesh, that which was born in the garden from disobedience, flesh is as hard to put your finger on as is spirit. Point to me in your body if I say the, the flesh. Where's your, the mind of the flesh? It's hard to point there, right? It's an atmosphere. It's a place that you don't believe God, that you, that you return to the old sinful habits, of, be it worry or be it wrong activity, where you say God's not trustworthy. That was the whole point in the, in the garden, is Adam and Eve said God's not trustworthy to keep his word. And so they reach for something else, and, it's, and it turns into idolatry and self-worship, instead, which is just Satan worship in another form, instead of God worship. And that's, and that's where we live our life. But as we, I told you to go to Genesis 24, but we're going to skip over that just in, just in lieu of, I won't have time to get to the rest of the things. I was just going to recap and say that the Holy Spirit leads us to the groom. He leads us to Christ. Eleazar, the servant of, of Abraham, he went and took 10 camels to Rebekah, and she had to decide, would she go? Would she serve? <clears throat> would she follow? Would she, would she serve? Would she go? And would she follow? That's, that's our questions. Will we serve? Will we continue to go? And will we continue to follow? And bring her to the presentation of the groom. That's what the Holy Spirit, he's leading us. He's leading us to the Father's house. He's leading us to Christ always in all things. And now as I've been reading, I told some of you that I am, <clears throat> I told you last week, I am, I'm, Lord has me on a journey. I'm seeing how fast I can read the Bible. Now I don't say this for everybody. 
This is not probably for everybody. But I felt the Lord asked me to, I just, I felt the challenge of the Lord. And so my goal is to read it in 90 days. But I know, I know that, that that means I have to read 13 chapters a day, which is not that big of a deal in case I miss a day or two. Uh, and I don't get those in. Then you see how it stockpiles, right? So <clears throat> I'm one of these people that if I have a task to do, I like to get, I like to, to get ahead. And so, you know, I'll read like, you know, if I, yesterday I read 24 chapters, so I'm already like, whoo look how far I am ahead. I mean, you know, you find out I, had, I can read the Bible all the time. We're sitting at a red light. I can't read when the car's moving, but I can read. I'm plowing through it. But in so doing, I mean to tell you, I read, I finished Samuel yesterday, but on Judges. I was in Judges the first part of the week. It took me longer. I was so mad at Israel. And then I got mad at Israel. Then I got mad at the church. I got mad at all you. Not really you. You know what I'm saying? And myself. I got mad at everybody. I was kind of in a funk for two days over Judges. I really was. I was just so disgusted by judges. Because I would, I would encourage you, there's something about reading it fast and you see it, you know, in a context. It's, it's one thing about studying scripture and looking at this part of the painting and just seeing that little bit and looking at all the words and then looking over here and seeing that and looking over here. But to read it fast, you step back and you take in the whole portrait. And I read, you know, I would encourage you, read Deuteronomy and then go straight to Judges and you'll be as mad as me. Because God had a promise that plotted up here. And Israel had a, a reality that plotted down here. And I was like, God, why? Why are these people so stupid? I was. Lord, what's the problem with judges? And it's in there. It's bookended in there. It says it like three or four times. And everyone did what was right. In their own eyes. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I mean, from Jephthah giving his daughter. You know what I mean? Lord, the first thing that comes out to me, if you'll give me victory, I'll sacrifice to you. He didn't have to make that vow, God had already promised him victory. Yeah, who, who do you think was going to be first? And did God want, did, does God accept human sacrifice? But every man did what was right in his own sight. And they did, and they continued. And then I got to the guy with the concubine <clears throat> who wouldn't spend the night in, in a foreign nation. He would only sleep at Israel, in one of the cities owned by Israel. And he had his concubine, and he, well, she was a prostitute, so he went out to find her, and he brought her back. And he went to the city, and a man said, no, come sleep in my house. And we're in, we're in Benjamin right now. We're in Benjamin. You know Benjamin, little Ben. Favored child of Jacob, of Israel, little Ben. You know him, sweet kid. Loved his daddy. Now... His descendants are a, are a tribe and they're a city and a man is going to sleep in the square but a nice Benjamite says, come stay in my house. And in the middle of the night, the whole city, the men from the city gather around. And what do they want to do? Have sex with the man. Just like Sodom. See, how many of you are like, that's just like Sodom. 
This is Israel. But every man did what was right in their own sight. And so the man threw the concubine out to him. And the man of the house, his virgin daughter, well, the concubine was raped all night and left for dead and killed. And she crawled up to the doorpost of the house. And she died on the doorpost of the house in Benjamin. I thought, this is such dysfunction. How many of you have had such gross dysfunction in your family sometimes? I, I know I have in my family. I can look at some fun dysfunction and like, what is wrong with you people? Every man did what was right in their own sight. And so that man takes his dead concubine, throws her over his donkey, takes her back home, goes out to the barn. How many know the story? Saws her up into pieces. And he mails a piece of her to every tribe in Israel. What's he saying? You are all responsible for this. That's what he's saying. And it started a national war. Violence broke out. People against people. There was, there was violence everywhere. There was, probably in, there was probably in Gad, a chop zone downtown where there's no law enforcement allowed. As they were breaking out windows and they were burning vehicles and they were, and they were rioting for justice. I thought, dear God. This sounds a whole lot, now I'm putting those things in, but that's essentially what was happening. Sounds a whole lot like a world I live in and am intimately acquainted with. I'm like, oh God. And as I went through and I just, I continued to journey through and I, you know, and I got over my mad and, you know, and I just, I just thought, God, I just don't like this. I don't like it at all. And then I was reminded of Isaiah 59 and in my wrath, my right arm brought forth salvation. The question is, I couldn't find for a man, I looked for a man who would intercede. I, I looked and I looked and I looked. I looked for someone to solve the problem. I looked for someone and I looked 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 some more. And I couldn't find anybody who could solve the problem. As a matter of fact, the problem was so bad for you to try to get to God would be like you, a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's another way of saying a snowball's chance in hell or when pigs fly. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. And his right arm brought salvation. And Emmanuel, God who is with us, came forth and, and he was laid in a manger in Bethlehem. And then I began to think about how God, how his, all of his wrath, all of his wrath is aimed at his enemies. And we see that all through Judges. And if we side on the side of the enemy, I mean, the wrath of God, how many of you know the wrath of God is already settled? It's already settled in Christ. If you've identified with the cross, then you are not subject to wrath. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, I can live my life any way I want to now because I don't have to, I'm not, no, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that I'm a, as James called himself, the half-brother of Jesus, James, you know, that guy who wrote the book of James, he called himself a love slave. You know what a love slave is? Not what you're thinking in our culture. See, if you, if you see, that's, this is such the benefit of reading through in a hurry. 
a love slave was one who had sold themselves, they'd gone into slavery to their master, right? Because they couldn't pay their debt. And they found it so wonderful in their master's house that now they're not there out of obligation. See, they fulfilled their slavery term, their service term. They owed a debt, and so they, they subjugated themselves willingly to someone because of their impoverished state. But while they were there, they found that his treatment of them was so good that they never desired their freedom. And so they went to the door of the house, Deuteronomy in Numbers says, and they went to the door of the house and they put their ear against the door, their earlobe. And the master took, a, took an anvil and an owl and drove a hole through the ear and pierced the ear to the door, made a hole in there. And that would identify, it was his right ear though, that would identify him as he said, I am a love slave of this house. I am now a servant because of love, not of obligation. Because I found my treatment in this house to be so much better than my treatment anywhere else that I would not go anywhere else. And so when James says, when he says, you know what I am now? I am, a, I am a love slave. Now this is a guy who knows the Bible, talking to people who know the Bible. And when he says that, what he's just told them is I have done the right of a, of a slave who now has subjugated myself willingly to my master all of my days. And I will serve in his house and I will stay there and dwell in his auspicious love and care because everything in my anxiety list, no longer stays there because I found when I'm in his house, everything just moves to the trust part. And what? And then I trust for things and then I'm regularly just moving things to praise all the time. And I found that in this house, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So I'm anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I make my requests known to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, God my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. If we're living in anxiety, if we're living in fear, we're living in idolatry. That's the word God gave me. And I have to deal with it as such. And stop blaming God for something that he's not put on me. He's fully trustworthy. He's fully reliable. He's fully faithful. He is fully endowed with everything you need to supply every need. If he cares for the grass of the field, surely he'll care for you. But if we don't trust him, if we truly just don't trust him, then we will never actually come to him in full surrender. And unless we find full surrender, we will never find the full faithfulness of God. This is a covenant, a marital covenant. I mean, Stacy, when were you healed? When you surrendered to God. He just jumped. Now, you knew God before, right? You went to church. You knew the Bible. You, had, you called yourself a Christian, right? But there was another, there was something else. 
And what she said there is completely scriptural. Did you know it? I'm going to read it to you. It says, um, at the time Yeshua said in response, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and discerning and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing to you. So what he's saying there is, how do you reveal something to an infant? It's something that's innate, right? That infant trusts the father. That infant trusts in such an, in such an innocent trust. That's what he's saying. Matthew 11 is come to be one of my favorite chapters. And I'll start reading here. 11, 11 says, Amen, I tell you, among those born of women, none has risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Are you greater than John the Baptist? Are you? I am. I just said I was. I mean, are you the least in the kingdom of heaven? See, we either come to the place where we believe the word or we don't. What is this talking about? What, based on what? I mean, John the Baptist, he was a great man of God. He was a prophet. Yeah, he was an Old Testament prophet. He said, but the, there's not one. He said, there's not one born of the kingdom of heaven that's greater than John the Baptist. There's not one born of woman who's been greater than John the Baptist. He said, but the least, the least in the kingdom of, of heaven, the least in the kingdom of heaven, the infants, the least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. Because they've, they've entered into another covenant. They've entered into a whole other covenant that John the Baptist just looked to, he just pointed to. Are you greater than John the Baptist? And in the innocence of full trust, we find the full resources of a faithful God. We look at this, and so we see, and it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is treated with violence, and the violent grasp hold of it. I mean, that's one of the things that stood out as I'm reading through Judges, and I'm reading through Joshua, and I'm reading through those, I mean, the violence is almost hard to take. It's rated R. It is. It's violent. And we see that from the days of John the Baptist, he's the last of the Old Testament prophets, right? Now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know many of you Bible preachers have used that in a today context. If you want it, you've got to take it by force. You've got to be violent. I don't, I don't think that's correct. I think of what he's saying there is from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The, until now, Jesus is saying, here is the, you, you don't have to take it violent. You don't have to go out and defeat your giants. They're already defeated. You don't have to go out. What battle wouldn't you fight if you knew you couldn't lose. See, I told you all that last week, that we have people making excuses for the battle when we're invited to a banquet. Because we don't know it's a banquet. If you were invited to a banquet at a rich man's house, how many of you wouldn't go? No, that's a no-brainer. You're like, yeah, I want to go to that banquet, but why did they make excuses like it's a battle? 
because they don't have the revelation of the goodness of God, of the completed work of Christ. And so Jesus continues on here, and this is where the famous scripture is at, that he says that all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The struggle of the old covenant has given way to the ease of the new nature. See how violence and struggle has been resolved. All by the relationship forged by the eternal son. It's all done in the tabernacle. I know I don't have to go to all these places. I know many of you have this knowledge. In the tabernacle, let's walk through it. Let's walk up to the tabernacle. What do we first come upon? we walk up to the tabernacle we walked up we're in the we're in the right there we're opening we're we're ascending in what's the first article of furnishing that we come to who knows what is it a laver and a brazen altar right there together for sacrifice and washing right and the priest there's constant work going on now we move on into the middle chamber and what do we find there they know we find the table of showbread, and we find the menorah, the candlelight. And it's constant. The priests are constantly serving. They're constantly, constantly bringing. The sacrifices are being brought to them. They're slicing the neck. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Blood's being poured out. I mean, would you want to be a priest? They're, con they're cutting open the animal. They're taking out the fat. They're removing the guts. They're, I mean, how many of y'all have ever field dressed an animal? How many would you want to do it like all day long, every day? I mean, how many think it smells good? No, it doesn't if you've ever done it. I mean, they're doing this all day long, and they're, they're working, and they're washing the sacrifice, and they're going through the ordinance, and they're doing that, and they're boiling off the fat, and they're doing, they know the sacrifice. They're dealing with the sacrifice the way it's supposed to be dealt with. They're doing this. They're sprinkling the blood. They're doing, I mean, all day. Oh, my gosh. How many of you want that job? No, I don't. I don't. It's like a locker plant, isn't it? I mean, I remember going to our locker plant as a kid. It stunk so bad. I didn't want to eat anything that came from there. And then here it is. And then we go in here, and now we've got every day, what are we doing? We're baking bread. And we're replacing that bread with the other bread. Is it, is it working? How many of y'all ever made homemade bread? You've got to let it rise. You know. It's easy mixture, but it's got to happen. You know what I mean? It takes hours for it to happen. It's always, and so, but now we've also got on that, I forgot this, on that altar out there, there's wood. Oh, how much wood is going on that altar? And you know that there's a whole tribe, there's a whole section of priests assigned to wood. And you can't have, you can't burn any wood that's rotten. Did you know that? They have to sort through the wood to make sure the wood is perfect. I mean, all oh, the work involved in running the tabernacle. And then they have to keep the light. And they have to make sure the oil is there. Oil just doesn't go forever and ever and ever and ever. They have to put the oil in. They have to have the lamp. They have to have the bread. They have to move that. They have to do that. The altar of incense. It's just moving. And, oh, it's labor. It's work. It's work. It's, it's, an out, it's the outside. It's the inside. It's the outside. It's the inside. It's work, 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 work. And the whole time, the, tr the nation is going out and they're gathering the manna. And it's not just bread on the ground. You don't just go pick it up and eat it. Did you know that? You didn't even know that. You don't even read your Bible. You go out and you don't pick it up and just go, oh. Hmm. You gather it. 
and you take it to a millstone and you grind it out and you make it into a meal fine enough to make a bread. And how many of you know the finer the meal, the finer the bread, right? And you just grind it out some more. And then you go and you make that into bread and then you cook the bread. That's how you deal with manna. This word, you got to work in this word. So they're working. Everything's work, work, work. I'm tired. I am so tired of this. I, I have been working. I've got, I'm a priest. I've got blood up to my elbow. No wonder they got to retire at 50. I mean, this is work. And then you got these stupid people all the time with their stupid little problems. Work. You're doing the rites of jealousy. You're th- Drink this if your thigh rots and your belly swells. You did what? You grabbed his what when your husband and him were fighting? That's going to cost you your hand, sister. I mean, come read it. It's in there. And so now we come. We come to Matthew, the 11th. See how the original horizon helps us with the, res- the present hermeneutic on it? See, now we come to Matthew, and here's Jesus strolling along. He's been baptized by John. He's the new order of priest. It's been transferred over to him. And he's strolling along the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Judea and Capernaum, and he's just walking around. And he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. And this nation was supposed to be brought to the place of total exhaustion, trying to live up to the law. It was exposing their inadequacy. It was exposing the labor. There was labor involved. There was labor involved. Year after year, day after day, we labor, 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 labor to please God. And here's a man saying, no more labor. Well, some people do just what, some of us will do just what they did. We better stone him. But there was one time a year. One time a year. One time. The priest would enter into an area of the temple called the Holies of Holies. It was dark. It was so dark. Heavy drapery covered it. There was an ark there with angels that looked down because all they could do is just, Hebrew says they just, angels just look, desire to look unto. But there was a, a seat. What do you do on a seat? You rest. There's only one place of rest in the tabernacle. And it couldn't be gotten to. No one ever, the priest didn't go in and sit on that mercy seat, did he? Oh no, he sprinkled it with blood. <sighs> Once a year. And that finger pointed to a man who would bring us rest. Who would allow even children to come in. It was so easy. 
And when Jesus said, it is finished, you know what stopped? All the labor. The labor from the brazen altar. The labor from the laver. The labor from the showbread. The labor from keeping the oil lit. All the labor pointed us to his rest. And the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the ark was a light. The mercy of God was held in the bondage of that tabernacle because of the sin had not been taken care of. But now because of what Jesus has done, we can all find rest in him. And when we yoke ourselves to him, he invites us, all who labor and are heavy laden, come to me. And if anyone lacks anything, how do you come to him? Boldly before the throne of grace that you may receive help in time of me. You can just take your anxiety list and picture that. Picture that mercy seat is Jesus and all you got to do. There's no, the priest is not going to, you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to go through any calisthenics. You don't have to, oh, and do this. And you just go, hmm, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, John the Baptist would have loved this. But I'm greater than him. I'm not saying I'm all that. I'm least in the kingdom. But my covenant is greater than his. I rest. That. All the time we're saying that. All the time. God's not asking you to labor more. He's asking you to rest more. It's, it's ready. The way has been prepared. And that's what the Christmas season is all about. It's not about God getting his vengeance on man. It is about God bringing himself to the world to satisfy the debt of sin so you could be restored to him. You don't have to worry about a thing. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> There's no, I mean, you don't have to worry. If you're worrying, worry's not a faith. Grace won't help you there. Worry won't attach to Christ. Only rest will attach to Christ because the work is finished. If you die, you die. If you live, you live. If you, tomorrow will be tomorrow. Whatever I face tomorrow, God will have sufficient will be the day. I will have the grace to walk through it because he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. He would be a very present. What kind of help? Present. Didn't say future. Present help. You got to stay in the present in order to enjoy his help. But most of us are living in the future where we can't find his help. I would love for 2021 to be a year where you refused to worry. It would change your countenance. It would improve your health. It would make you so joyous. If you ref I want y'all to work that list you got. Everybody got your list still? If there's anything on your worry category, let the Lord deal with it. Repent and say, God, I'm moving it to trust. Is there something I need to do with this? Let's get it into trust and move it to praise. Yes. Yes. And that's absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. It's not casual. Uh-uh. It's explicit. Um, yes. On the other hand, we've been liberated from that by the birth of Christ on the cross. Yes. But we have a work to do. We do. To be saved. To be 
see that come to fruition. And not have anything. Nothing because I never trusted him for salvation. I didn't even understand the gospel was good news. I never even really understood that he saved me. I was still, I was, the jury was still out on if he really liked me or if he could be trusted. I was still giving him test after test after test. <laughs> I knew he was busy with running all the affairs of the world and See how ridiculous that is? I want to dare you. I want to double dog dare you. And you know, you can't. Mike always told me that. He said, if you'd have double dog dare me, I'd have done it. So I want to double dog dare you. Be anxious for nothing. I'm telling you, don't worry about those. If people try to bring you back to anxiety, say, nope. Bring them to trust. You know what I mean? Don't do it. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for it. God's bigger. God's bigger. God's bigger. I mean, give, let him give you the heart of a champion. You can go to work and you can live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. I mean, we can go forward in the things of God. Yes, Dennis. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm saying, wait, wait a second. Wait a second, anxiety. Are you trying to get me to work? What are you going to do? Run back to that mercy seat. It's the way it's been. I, I rest right here in Christ. Yeah, but, but, what, but what if? But what if? But what if? But what if I give you a black eye? You know what I'm saying? I mean, quit being such chickens. I mean, can I say that to you? Quit being such little girls. I say that. You know what I'm saying, don't you? <laughs> girls can do anything boys can do. I guess. The language is not great. We like to cuss, but realistic. And the name of it is Infidel. I would recommend Infidel. I would recommend adults in it. Yeah, we have to get to the point where we have already taken the all and, and, and we're done. That issue is solved and, and, and that's what this is about. Absolutely. We have to make that dedication prior to Yes, all in, surrendered, completely surrendered. But I believe, I believe that we've lost the good news of the gospel somewhere along the way in the church and we don't know how good he is. You know what I mean? We haven't really got to the place where we believe it's good news. We haven't decided that we have to trust him. My name? I am Andrea. <laughs> I, I do that. I do that all the time. Deny Christ and go home or stand and die. I, wait, I just... 
can you put yourself in that just for a second? This morning, this morning, they show up and they line you up with machine guns pointed at you and they say, deny Christ and die, or deny Christ and go home. Go home to your families. Go home to your Christmas trees. Go home to your wrapping paper. Go home to your, go home to your chicken in the oven. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's tough, isn't it? I, I believe, see, I think we can't, we hear that story, and so many of us are tempted to put that out there, you know what I mean? And we're like, oh, I've got to reconcile my life to that. Well, that, I believe if you reconcile your life to the fullness of Christ, you will by virtue reconcile your life to that. See, I'm never trying to get you to go there. That's where we mess up. We mess up when we try to get to an experience that someone else has without going by virtue of the road, the way to that. Because, see, there's the, there's Christ. when we reconcile our life fully to Christ, that's the fruit of that. Surrender. Sacrifice is the fruit of surrender. You can't sacrifice into surrender. You see what I'm saying? Yes, Tawana? Yes. Yes. I'll find that grace there. That's be anxious for nothing today. Because we trust him today. I trust him. I trust him. Let that be your mantra this year. I trust you, God. When anxiety tries to creep in, say, no, God, I move it to the middle. It's tr I just trust you. Yes, and not our own. And we see that in that we have such greatness provided for us. Yes. Yes. It's done. Right. Mm -hmm. It's only, it will be done. It will be accomplished. God is greater. I don't know what will happen in the world, but I do know God's bigger than everything, and I'm good either way. We're dismissed. Thank you for your input. That's great. Y'all add so much. That's the way you're talking about to get to that experience. Yeah, so if we try to get to the place that we try to put ourselves in being faithful and martyrdom, it's just an extra stuff.